Welcome to episode 33 of the Tailoring Talk Show with me, your host, Roberto Rivilla. I'm a bespoke tailor, menswear designer, and owner of Roberto Rivilla London Suit and Shirt Makers. This is the podcast where you drop in for the threads, but often leave with something quite unexpected. If you haven't already, please support the show by subscribing. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please help me out by leaving a rating and a review. On today's episode, I'm joined all the way from Utah by someone who is guaranteed to make your day a whole lot brighter. She's a motivational speaker and trainer with a particular focus on all-round well-being. Overlapping this, she's been a successful realtor for over 15 years. And on top of that, she's the host of Heidi's Lemonade Stand podcast, where she interviews people who have taken life's lemons and made them into lemonade. She is passionate about helping others not only find their perfect home, but also find peace and happiness. Tailoring Talkers, please welcome the wonderful Heidi Aldridge to the Tailoring Talk Show. Heidi, how are you? I am so great and so happy to be here talking to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining me. Now, I mean, the first thing, right, you have grandchildren and I don't understand how that is possible Seriously, because you're so young. (laughs) Well, it's possible when you have children and then your children have children. That's how you become a grandparent. It's awesome. (laughs) It's beautiful. (laughs) You're right. That that probably is the way. That is how it works. Yeah. (laughs) No, I am a young grandma. Uh, My my kids are are young too. I mean, uh, yeah. So it's been great. I my my oldest grandchild will be five in a couple of months. So. And then I have a new grandchild due next week. So I'm excited. So I'll have oh, wow. five grandchildren by next week. So congratulations. Yay. That's yeah, so awesome. great for them that they have a grand. So what do they call you? Do they call you grandma or Grammy or I know <laughs> they actually like- call me Gaga. <laughs> Gaga. <laughs> they call me Gaga. You know? And it was something that my first grandchild, well, I guess he was my second, my first grandson. So my second grandchild, he was, they were on their way to my house. He was about 10 months old, not really talking much, you know, just kind of saying a couple. And my daughter said, you know, oh, we're almost to grandma's house. And he says, Gaga. (laughs) So ever (laughs) since then, we've been, I've been Gaga. And my son-in-law's like, do you think he'll still call you Gaga when he's a teenager? (laughs) Because it sounds like, um, of course he will. And they, they do, they, they call me Gaga and they call my husband Opa. That is the Dutch uh, name for grandpa. So he he goes by Opa and I go by Gaga. And it is the highlight of my life. I seriously could not be happier to have grandchildren. They make life worth living, I swear. They make it all worth it. They are yeah. so perfect and wonderful. And we get them every Friday night. So we get to babysit them so mom and dad can go on date night. They live very close to us within minutes of our house. So we party. We have dance parties every Friday night and eat pizza. That just sounds like so much fun. Your grandkids are so lucky. I was very lucky grandchild too. My grandma was my best friend and kind of more like a mom to me. And she was my example of like how you can just take advantage of that time and have that close relationship. So it was always a goal of mine to live near my grandkids and just have them be my little best friends. And so I'm the lucky one. Yeah, no, totally. And how how have things been over the uh, the last couple of years with 
COVID and you know what and so on. Because over here in London, we're pretty much back to normal. We even had a train strike, like the public transport system here just shut down completely, which is a normal thing during normal times. So as much as this week has been a huge inconvenience for most people in my city, we're also kind of like, yeah, things are kind of back to normal now. How, how are things for you over there? Isn't that so funny when the when the bad things are? Oh, okay. Now people are complaining again. We're we're fine. We're back to normal, right? You know what? Things. I was just thinking that today. I'm like, it feels like it's kind of over without like much of a big production about it. It just kind of fizzled out over here. Like in the past few weeks, people just kind of no more mask mandates, and people are just kind of back to normal life. Things are all open. Everything's. I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. And I was just talking to my husband. He finally went this week and was able to go get everything out of his office from two years ago when they (laughs) shut everything down and he had to move home to work from home. And it's been two years since he's been to his office. And he finally this week was able to go and get his desk and his books and his decorations and everything because the office isn't uh, no longer in need. And so I kind of like the change in a way that you know, we're empty nesters and he's been at home for two years and it looks like he can permanently work from home. So I love that. But I think people have adjusted now. And of course, you know, the people are still getting it. People are still sick. I don't want to discount that at all, but it's really hasn't been the big state of emergency that we've been in for two years. So it's nice. Yeah. Breathe, breathe a little bit easier now. Exactly. Thank Yeah. And then all the British stereotypes are basically coming back, you know, I think you guys have this perception of us as, you know, basically spending all our time with pints in our hands and so on. And yeah, that's, I was talking to one of my clients earlier today who is, um, who is at one of the big pub operators, you know, they own a lot of different pubs and chains and stuff like that and hospitality. So it's been a really tough couple of years for for them. Uh, But yeah, he was like, yeah, as soon as restrictions went, um, things were back to normal everything just you know the taps were flowing and and people were out enjoying themselves again and so on so uh so yeah so on a, on a bright note it's it's been yeah. really 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 good to see yeah um, and we're back to normal that way too our biggest problem is we don't have enough workers for like the restaurants and the places for people to gather all those people had to i don't know where they went i don't know where they went but there are no daytime workers that are willing to come and work those kind of jobs. And so there's a desperate need everywhere you go. It's now hiring, now hiring everywhere you go. Yeah. And there's just nobody to work. I don't know. So that's been the hardest adjustment is there's lots of signs when you go in a restaurant, like, yeah, we could be at full capacity if we had waitresses, but we don't. So you're going to have to wait an hour till our two waitresses can come and help you. So it's, that's been the hardest part right now is there's just not enough people willing to work or able to work to help us, yeah. you know, get the economy going again. So that's yeah, been a big we've, adjustment. We've had the same problem over here. Like oh, have you? Okay. Kind of started okay. going back out to restaurants and my wife and I, because customer service is such a key component of what we do as our day-to-day business. So we really, really notice and feel it when something's kind of off somewhere. And mm-hmm. so going back to restaurants and things, because we've lost a lot of staff over here um, because of Brexit, right? A lot of Europeans went back and so on. And um, so so there is a shortage, but our homegrown people that work in hospitality um, 
don't I can probably say it because none of them listen to this podcast but they're not quite as switched on maybe <laughs> um, not I know as... exactly yes <laughs> so I know exactly we, what you're saying we went to a restaurant the other day and we, we it was like there's a sign that says please wait here to be seated so obviously we waited there to be seated and they all just kept walking past us just looking at us and and then just kind of carrying on with what they were doing and then you know on their phones on instagram and stuff and you know all that and in the end i just kind of stepped past the velvet rope and i just said uh, do i find my own table or is anyone going to like see us what what's what's going on oh yeah 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 fine uh, sorry you are you here to eat <laughs> i was like no <laughs> here to do anything but eat in an eating <laughs> establishment I'm here um, to watch you go on Instagram. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's so funny. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, there that's we so go. so true. Yeah, that is exactly how it is here. Yeah, you get the bottom bottom people that are willing to work that you just have to deal with when you go to places. You're just like, wow, the customer service. Don't even, don't even worry about customer service. It doesn't exist yeah. right now. So they're just glad to have a body there. It's exactly. like, wow. Yeah, so we definitely are suffering with that here as well. Yeah. But then, you know, you take a negative and there's, that means that there's a big opportunity out there for something. So, you know, yeah. um, we, but I'd rather this than what we've, we, we've been through the oh, last couple of years for sure. For sure. I'm grateful um, we can even go out to eat now. So definitely not complaining about that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, your podcast is Heidi's Lemonade Stand and I love it. First of all, I'm a huge fan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the each episode you have a different guest on now tell me something because you um uh, you were doing the lemonade stand radio show yes. a while ago in 1999 so just a couple of years ago yeah well i mean <laughs> 20 any, any, yeah. any time reference we subtract two years for the two years we lost due to covid right so it was <laughs> only right. 17 18 only years ago 20 years ago yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> So uh, did the podcast start out of that? So, cause I know maybe some of the early episodes were from those original from the, recordings. Yes, yes you're uh, right. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what I did. Yeah. Back in 1999, I started a radio talk show called the lemonade stand and I did it for a year and I ended up being able to get pregnant with my like miracle. You know, we went through infertility for years. And so I remember my last radio show, I'm like, okay, I'm due to have a baby in two weeks. So I'm taking a break. I'll be back. And then 20 years later, I started my podcast. So I I took a little bit of a break. Um, Yeah. So it was awesome. The radio show was amazing. I met amazing people. And then uh, during 2020, you know, when things were really getting uh, just sad, you know, when people were really struggling and I thought, I think it's a good time to bring back the lemonade stand, you know, and now with podcasting, and so that's kind of how it started was just to put my old radio shows out there so people could hear them. But they're such bad, bad recordings back in the 90s with cassette tapes and really staticky, bad recordings. But And then my husband's like, well, why don't you find new people to talk to then? And I was like, oh. So it has been a little, well, almost a year and a half now. I've done 150 interviews in the past year and a half of amazing, amazing people. And so I've been really blessed to be able to start the Lemonade Stand again. Yeah. So that's where it kind of came from. And the, the title, I mean, it struck a chord with me when I first came across it because, um, 
you know, you have that saying that that some grown up in your life gives you at some point when you're younger uh-huh. saying, you know, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like mine almost actually pretty much my entire life. It's just been lemon after lemon just chucked yeah. at my head. And I'm yeah. sure I'm not alone. There are plenty of people that feel the same way, because I guess when you really look at it, life is kind of like that. It's actually not a bed of roses and it's not easy. Um, and you're constantly going to come up against challenges and, you know, there may never be a moment in some people's lives. And and again, I'm just going through a period where I'm feeling like that now, just every time I think I've just overcome one thing, I, I take a breath for like literally just a hot minute. And then all of a sudden something else just hits Yep. and you, you yeah. know, your shoulders slump Yeah. and you start to kind of think, Oh God, I can't do this anymore. And then somewhere you just summon up just a spark of energy or whatever to just get up and just put one foot forward in front of the other and just keep going. And that's the thing I love about your, um, cause you release an episode on Monday and Thursdays. And that's the thing I love about shows like yours is that they just help just when you need it the most. And so I, I actually want to take, take the opportunity while I've got you to say thank you for that. Um, and I will be continuously recommending that people subscribe to your podcast um, probably for the next hour or so and beyond. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. It definitely, you are, you are describing life perfectly where it's just one thing after another. And I used to say life isn't fair. Life isn't fair. Cause it felt like it was constantly lemons coming. And uh, my dad would always say, you know, yeah, life isn't fair. And I'm like, but I'm going to make it fair. You know, and he's like, life is not fair. And I just learned recently that we actually wouldn't want it to be fair because as hard as things are, there is so many great things but you can always look at someone else and what they're struggling with and be like, oh, I'm glad I don't have that problem. But if life was fair, we'd have to have everyone's problems. Everyone's good and everyone's bad. And we don't want that. So yeah. I've learned that maybe it's okay life isn't fair. And maybe my problems are really catered to me and what I need to learn and grow from. And so we need to just embrace it. We need to embrace those challenges and those hard times and let them mold us into something better. And that's where my lemonade stand is. It's it's even spelled lemonade, A-I-D, because it's kind of, I look at it as like Band-Aid or like something to give aid, to help, to yes. uplift, to inspire. And that's kind of the whole point of it is to talk about the hard times, but what we've done because of them. And people usually share, well, they always say they wouldn't take it back. That hard challenge, that terrible, tragic thing that happened to them, they're grateful for it now. It's brought them to the point they're at. It's taught them what they have. It's brought people into their lives that they wouldn't have known or whatever the gift has been from it. And I love that people can share that even as tragic as it was, they wouldn't change it. They do it again to learn what they did. So it's been a gift to me to interview these people and hear their stories. I've been so lucky to be able to meet people. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I was really sad to hear you know, probably the biggest lemon that had been tossed at you at quite a young age when you lost your father. Yes. Um, and you were barely out of your teens. I mean, you were right. 16 at I the time. I was 16. Yes. Yeah. I was, I was going through a hard time myself, actually, and had considered taking my own life for a couple of years. I was made fun of so bad about the way I looked that I thought, 
I need to just do the world a favor so people won't have to look at my face anymore. And so I kind of decided, yeah, this is the best solution is to not not have to have people look at me anymore. And uh, luckily, I had friends and, and family that were kind of encouraging without knowing it, you know, just kind of like, I'll see you tomorrow, or I'll call you tomorrow, I need help with this or different things It kind of gave me that little bit to keep living for each day. Just kind of like, oh, well, I can't die tonight, because I got to help this person with a school project tomorrow. And, you know, each day I'd be like, oh, I can't die tonight. My boyfriend needs me tomorrow or whatever it was that I just kept going that one more day. And then suddenly, two days after Thanksgiving, the police came to our door and told us that our dad had just taken his life. And I was 16 years old. And I remember sitting there like, how did this how did this happen, first of all? And how did he get so to that point, you know, that I was at? I didn't even yeah. notice that my dad was that same way, that same hopeless kind of feeling. And in his suicide note, he said that basically everyone would be better off now without him there, which was the exact things that I had been thinking. And I remember going, that's not the solution. That's not the answer. That didn't help anything. I didn't solve any problems. That made everything way worse. And so um, to have our dad die, and then I remember going back to school on Monday. That was Saturday. And I went back to school, to high school on Monday. And I remember I could just suddenly see people. Like I wasn't so consumed with myself and feeling sorry for myself and how ugly I was. And I could see people and I'm walking down the hall and I'm looking in people's eyes and I can feel their their pain. I can feel the burdens they're carrying. And I saw them as human beings, as people that are just trying to get through life and struggling with their own lemons. And I thought, wow, where have all these people, have these always been here? You know, because I was so consumed with myself. And it just changed my life then. And I decided to kind of stop being so concerned about me and poor me and what I'm going through and really just look to others and see that others are suffering and maybe I could help and maybe we could work together and maybe we could support each other. And it just turned into a beautiful thing my last couple of years of high school. And I just loved it. It was a great experience for me. And I ended up having a lot of opportunities in high school and made a lot of friends and totally changed my life. It was great. <laughs> so that is kind of a big change in my life that came from a tragic thing, you know, a lemons to lemonade. And yeah. if I could make my dad's death worth anything, it made me want to be a better person and to care about other people. I certainly didn't want another suicide on my hands. You know, I felt like, what could I have done different? You know, you go through all that guilt of, you know, what could have been different or why didn't anybody care? And why didn't anybody yeah. know, you know, all this stuff that you think. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to care about other people better. And it's been a beautiful life, you know? I mean, this was, uh, what, 30-something years ago, 33 years ago, my dad died. So I've been trying to live a great legacy for him, um, to be proud of me and give a tribute to him as well, of the good things that he did in his life, too, and what a great dad he was. So that's kind of where that went. But then, you know, 10 years after he died, I found myself kind of spiraling back into that why me again kind of thing and feeling sorry for myself. I I was now married. I now had two kids, but we tried for several years to have another child and nothing, you know, went through all that. And I'm sure a lot of it was hormones, but I just was really in a bad place. And I was on antidepressants. I just could not 
get past myself. I just was really struggling. And to the point where I had a friend tell me, like, we'd try to exercise together every morning. And she said, I just can't, I can't be around you anymore. I just, you are too negative. You're too much of a downer. You ruin my day. I just can't be friends with you anymore. And that kind of wakes you up to like, mm. who, who am I? <laughs> like, I'm not that person. I don't want to be this person that nobody wants to be around. Like, that's terrible. And that's when I kind of started looking around again. It was kind of that shock again from 10 years before when my dad died of like, where have I brought myself to again? Like now I'm all consumed with myself again and feeling like life isn't worth living because I can't have another kid. Like this is so selfish and so it was such a bad place. And that's when the Lemonade Stand radio show started is when I finally started looking outside myself and seeing other people and be like, oh, wow, well, their their kid was killed, you know, I don't have that problem. Or, you know, mothers against drunk drivers, you know, because of people that are drink, driving drunk, and, and they started this organization and bikers against child abuse, you know, and just different organizations that are started because people dealt with really horrific things. And so I was like, I need to know, I need to know more, I need to talk to these people. So that's when I decided to go on the radio and start interviewing people because back then there wasn't really like the internet and podcasts and things like that. So the radio was the best way to get, there was Oprah. <laughs> so yeah. you couldn't get on TV to be with Oprah. So then I started my own show. <laughs> so yeah, it helped a lot. Like I said, I had that miracle pregnancy um, during that radio show. And I really feel like a lot of it was because I stopped thinking about myself and I was learning so much from other people and being so inspired by people that I just finally wasn't so consumed with how sad I was. And it was a beautiful yeah. thing. It was a great life. It's amazing that because I think when you've been through that and you've been on the edge of ending it all, right, yeah. yourself, and I've been there because when I grew up, you know, my parents are both still with us today. Um although we only reunited a couple of years ago, we've been estranged for quite some time. I mean, over a decade, in fact. Um, and so growing up, it was really hard because my father lost his mother when he was probably about the same age as you. Um, and that obviously had hit him really, really hard. And right. being the eldest brother in, a, you know, this is back in Pakistan, um, he he suddenly had to assume responsibility for his brothers and his sister and then he his his father my grandfather was in the army and i'm i'm kind of hesitating telling this story because my i i've only heard snippets of this from my mum and then my mum has only heard snippets of this from whatever my dad has chosen to share right um but I know that my grandfather remarried and he left Pakistan, came to England and had a whole new family. And my father left to go and find his dad um, with nothing in his pocket. You know, the classic um, migrant story got here, um, kind of got in with a, a couple of people who became his best friends at the embassy and then they were doing kind of working jobs and stuff, but there was no real space for him with his father because his father had this whole new life. Yeah. But then I think my dad, so he eventually meets my mom and then they have me. And I don't remember many good times as a child because my father was a disciplinarian 
And so without going into too much detail, you can imagine, you know, what my life was like, right? I put the slightest foot wrong and it was, you know, beaten up and all the rest of it. Um, And as an adult, I don't blame him for that. But at the time, as a child, I didn't understand it. And so every, as time went on, my, my sense of what little self-worth I had got eroded away, chipped and chipped and chipped until there was almost, it got to the point when I was in my teens where there was almost nothing left. And then I thought, what's the point of me being here? I'm not wanted. So I might as well just end it. The problem I had is no matter what I tried to do to take my own life, I kept surviving. So whether I cut myself, didn't work, I would sort of wake up from consciousness and uh, unconsciousness and still be here. Jumping out of a window, didn't. still to this day, I've not broken a single bone in my body. I don't know how I've done it. Um, you know, I just, I just couldn't, couldn't kill myself. I mean, to turn this into a joke, it's like, you know, when you see in these movies and like, you know, the villain is trying to kill the hero and it's like, why don't you just die? And it was the same thing with me. It's like, why can't I just, you know, get rid of myself? And, um, and so I, I kind of, you know, unlike you, you know, you started looking outward and looking at other people and seeing what was going on around you. That didn't happen to me until I hit adulthood. So my whole kind of childhood, teenage years and so on, I, I look back on that with so much regret because it was so inward looking and so focused on me. I didn't see what was going on outside. And so it was very hard for me to maintain relationships and friendships. And thank God that I've managed to reunite with some of those childhood friends today as an adult. And, and we've some of us have found each other again. And I have even more appreciation for them because of, of what we missed. But I, I just, you know, I just wish I'd had um, just some additional help. And I think you starting up the radio show and then coming back to it all these years later to then start the podcast in this new era. Um, for any kids, young adults that are out there that are going through anything like what I experienced, people like you are just that parachute that those people need. And so, you know, your father would be so proud of you. Um, and, and I'm sure he is. Um, and, I, you know, I, I thank you for that. I just wish that I'd had the lemonade stand when I was a kid. But I have it now, so it's fine. Um, so, you know, taking all of that experience, so that you have um, your habits of happiness that you teach. Yes. And you have your 21 habits. And there's a really great infographic. And I don't know if you drew that. My it's got all the... yeah. Oh, really? He's yes. awesome. He's yes. such a great little artist there. Yes, my husband would do that. So when I go and teach, he stands behind me and draws the pictures of what I'm teaching about. And it's so cute because I think it helps people with a visualization and to learn the habits a little bit better. But yeah, he's an artist. He did all my artwork on my, oh my website and everything. He's great. What's his day job? <laughs> so talented. He's an artist. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he is an artist. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah, he finally is. He was a school teacher for years um, and then just kind of moved moved through a, his career that way. But now he works for a company and he draws their training material. So he yeah. does 
amazing things. So he's very so, talented. I love so it. So what I did is the the little kind of banner you got across on your website. Uh-huh. I'll put the link yeah. in the show notes. Um, okay. So what I did is I screenshotted it and then I printed it and it's it's behind <laughs> my monitor on my desk. Oh, so wow. I look at it all the time. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. You're probably better at it than I am right now then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I'm I'm <laughs> learning every single day. But yeah, I mean, th- that's because I've kind of that. narrowed it down to like five now instead of the twenty-one. So I focus on five now in my in my daily and yeah. what I teach too. So it's great. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I mean, getting into clothing for me was one way of because um, I love taking care of people, yeah, and you know, clothing was just a you know, it just happened to be the thing that I stumbled into to to be able to do it. I'd always, you know, I'd studied art and design and so on. I was always into fashion when I was younger because mom and dad couldn't afford to. I, I've been six feet tall since I was 11 years old. So can you imagine when you've got two parents that are struggling to make ends meet, having to buy clothes for me all the time was just a nightmare. Oh, so yeah. my dad used to kind of just give his old clothes from the 70s to my mom and tell her, tell her just put him in those like can you imagine a kid in the 80s right where it was all very kind of straight leg pants and stuff and there's me kind of going in in these huge bell bottoms oh no oh no (laughs) I know that's terrible so I used to just get picked on and kicked around all the time yeah and so I I started to just adjust clothes as much as I could yeah. just out of necessity and out of pure survival than anything else. Like I've got to try and make these pants look narrower. I can't go in there with my feet, you know, com- like completely disappear be- behind these huge flares and stuff. Cause otherwise, you know, it was just hell physically as well as mentally. Wow. Um, but anyway, so, so it was, it was funny that I eventually fell into clothing again. And, and, and for me, it's just great especially with my clients who maybe don't have as much self-confidence and so on, just to see the change in them. And then gradually over years, because I've still got clients, I mean, I've been doing this for nearly 20 years now. I've still got clients from 20 years ago who stayed with me all that time. Wow. And you get to really, really know these people. And what you get to realize when you're working with, with people who are by and large, you know, we would perceive them to be very successful people is that, they're human like they are just normal flesh and blood they came into the world the same way that we all did they're they're just human beings they're just normal people yeah um and they all have a lot of stuff going on yes behind the facade yes exactly and uh you know sometimes i find myself having to be a really good listener you know, just kind of go in and I've got new clothes ready for them and I'm all excited and and it's like, I'm going to show you blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, yeah. And I'm like, are you okay? It's like something seems off. Yeah. You don't need to talk about it if you don't want to, but I'm just checking on you. And then I could find myself there for half an hour, 45 minutes, just listening, listening to everything that's been going on with them. Because they don't feel, because they have to put on such a persona for their day job, they don't feel they can talk to anyone else about it um so oh, I love that you're doing that see you're giving that service I love that because that's what that's what I do I do it with food <laughs> food is my service and in, in like clothes is yours it's like that's where I feel like I can really like help people and try to make their day and like 
either working at a restaurant or baking at home or doing something with food. And so I connect with you so much with that. And and you can just really look at people and be like, are you okay? You know, you can just kind of tell like what's going on in their lives. Something Something's heavy right now. And we're all human. We're all, I always always say, I would love to, if we could carry a sign around with us, that's like, I'm hurting or I'm dealing with this today or you know, my mom just died or whatever your sign could say that you could walk around and hold it. And so people could just be extra gentle with you, extra yeah. kind, but we'd all have a sign. And so we should just treat each other that way to begin with, because we just have no idea what people are carrying and why they're acting the way they are. They could just be dealing with a lot of heavy stuff that we wouldn't want to know anyway. Yeah. But I love how you said that your your clients are just kind of more high-end people and 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 kind of have this persona they have to have at their day job, but then they're still a human being. They still put their pants on like the rest of us do. Because I have a brother that's a rock star and it's been the same thing for me too. Because I'm like, it's just my brother. Like we have Thanksgiving dinner together. Like he comes yeah. over and hangs out, but then you know, he's on the stage performing in front of people and it's just kind of ruined it for me. I'm like, wait, you mean all performers are just brothers? <laughs> you know, I'm like, that's so boring. <laughs> so it's like, they are, they're just people and they have yeah. lives and he's, he's carrying the weight of his father's suicide too. You know, like he's, he's doing this and, and up there performing for people and they don't know what he's going through at home. And so it's just fascinating to me to realize that it doesn't matter. It's just your job. Like the rest of us have jobs and they still have feelings. They still have things to carry. So that's why I love the habits of happiness. Is there something we can do when we're in those rough days or those hard times? There's something that we can do to pivot that little bit or just change that that track of thinking. And so just kind of having some of those like on hand to be like, okay, I can <laughs> I can do this today. Yeah. And just to hold on for one more minute, one more hour, one more day. Yeah, that's it. I get people who suddenly will hear, you know, maybe via something on social media or whatever. This is a whole other subject. Um, <laughs> and we'll come on to that in a second, because I do want to ask you about that, um, where they'll see that I'm working with a celebrity. I don't work for many celebrities because the problem with celebrities is their agents want me to do stuff for free. And, oh. uh, you know, I always remember that line from the, I think it's the Dark Knight, the one with Heath Ledger, uh, where he says, you know, he was, if if you have a talent or whatever, don't do it for free. If you're good at something, don't do it for free. Um, but the the celebs that I do look after, again, I guess from my point of view, it's easier to see them as human beings and not see them as something that needs to be put up on a pedestal, no matter how right. amazing they are. Um, yeah. Because I, I get so close to them. And yeah, I get so close to them. And I get so personal. And also... I get to see, I see all the faults and stuff because part of my job is putting them in their best light. So I know when one of my clients is carrying a few extra pounds and has got a little bit of, you know, love handles going on, but, but nobody else sees that because when you put photos on social media, they're all wearing clothes and editing and all that kind of stuff, but they're all going through the same, you know, kind of thing, whether it's, you know, depression because of something that is happening in their lives right now, or just a very simple thing, like, oh God, you know, I'm so tired and I'm really stressed and I'm just eating all the wrong foods that I shouldn't be eating. And I know that I need blah, blah, blah. Same stuff that we all kind of go through. But, but that brings me on to social media because in this day and age, um, especially when you think about younger people, 
I mean, even even you know, people my age. Look, I I have to be on. I don't have to be on Instagram, but I'm on Instagram now. Our company account is taken off. My personal account has just got a placeholder on the last post, which basically says, "Do not follow me here because this account is going to be shut down soon." When I figured out how to do it, follow me over here, and then it just has the links to the podcast and the thing, the company account. Um, but then you can find yourself just getting trapped. So you, you know, I will go on once a day just to check for any messages and so on from people. But then I'll find myself just scrolling through lots and lots of stuff. And the thing that you notice is that very rarely. Some people are getting better at doing it, but very rarely do you see anyone posting about what's really going on. I try to do it in my stories, so my my feed is all about clothes and clients. But then in my stories, it's very little about clothes. It's more about you know I've just finished you know blah blah blah, and now I'm out with my dogs. I'm in my happy place, but it's been a really tough week, and my head feels like it's full of cotton wool, and so on. Because I'm, I'm just trying to show people that it isn't all glamorous. There's real stuff kind of going on behind the scenes. Um, everyone, so many people are putting out the best versions of themselves. And it was on one of your recent, I think it was a recent episode where you were talking to someone, and I can't remember his name, forgive me. Um, but he he said something really pertinent, which was that, we all know the worst versions of ourselves because we have to live with ourselves every single day. And when you go onto social media, you're then seeing and comparing yourself with what people are putting out to be the best versions of themselves. So you have this complete opposite end of the spectrum, which then when it sort of translates into what's then how it affects your mental state, is possibly the worst thing ever. Yep. And I, yep. I just wonder if in your kind of day-to-day work, when you've been asked to talk and so on, how much social media is coming up in that context and how you help people to, to try and see social media or deal with it in a different way. Yeah, no, I think you're right. We do. We see our worst and we compare it to everyone else's best and we have to stop doing that. And so I think the more we talk about it and realize that we are doing that, I think it helps to kind of look at that reality check of like, okay, yeah, I had a friend post something the other day that was, well, it was last year. It was so great. She posted a picture of like this beautiful dessert she had made. It was all zoomed in on the dessert. And then the next picture was zoomed out of her counter (laughs) and all the ingredients and the flour and the messes and the piles of stuff, every, the measuring cups, you know, everything's all over the place. <laughs> but when you zoom in on that dessert, it is perfect. And the countertop looks nice and clean and beautiful. But that was my favorite picture. And I think of that all the time. And I tell people, I'm like, we're just zooming in on people's lives. You could zoom out and see the big hot mess. You wouldn't be feeling so bad about yourself. Everybody has a hot mess, you know? And so it's just more like just realizing that, that people are putting their best out there and just helping people to realize that you're comparing it and to just stop like you can't, you know, and and just be more real. I think we need to be more real on social media. And so I think that's why I love the lemonade stand is people are airing their worst and hardest, most challenging times, but then they follow up with how great it is now and what they're doing now because of it. So that helps a lot too. So we're still showing the zoomed in dessert and we're zooming out to show the mess. So I think that's important to do that. Yeah. 
just yeah. know that it's not true. What we see on social media isn't true. Yeah. Um, Heidi, what is happiness? Oh, because it's a question that is so right? awesome. You That's know, what is what is success? What is happiness? Because I even I get asked I this that. all the time, and I look at people, and I'm just like, I don't know. I think it's different things to different people, right? I mean, right. some people's definition of success then leads to what their definition of happiness is. Like, you know, if I uh, if I was making X amount of pounds or dollars a year, then I would have enough money to be able to do whatever I wanted, and then I would be happy. And yeah. for other people. Right you know, that's not what happiness is. Happiness is the little things. So is there a definition or, you know, am I kind of right when I'm just knee jerking at people looking at them like they're weird? (laughs) No, I love that. You know, that is one thing I've learned over the past 30, 40, almost 50 years of my life is that I was always the I'll be happy when kind of person. That's how I grew up. That's how I lived my life. And I did this even when I met my husband, you know, I'll be happy when I can go to college. I'll be happy when I have a career. I'll be happy when I get married. I'll be happy when I have kids. I'll be happy when I buy a house. But then you find out like, okay, I'll be happy when the kids grow up. I'll be happy (laughs) when I get a new house, you know, I'll be happy when I change careers. Like it's never enough. Like you're always trying to search for that happiness at the next thing. And that's an I'll be happy when attitude. And so what I've learned is Happiness is like a way to travel. Happiness is just a way to just be. It isn't dependent on anything. It isn't dependent on where you live. It isn't dependent on how much money you have, how good your kids are, how cute your spouse is. Happiness isn't dependent on anything. It's just a way to travel. It's a vehicle. It's a way to get to the next destination. So it's just a way to be. And so I love that you asked that because happiness is whatever anybody decides it is, but really it's just a way to live. It's a state of being. And it's good to have goals. Like I'm all for like, you know, have a goal to have something. But what we have to realize is that when we have these goals, we think life's going to be so much better or we'll be successful or we'll be happy or whatever. There's something tied to that. You know, I'll lose weight and then I'll be happy right? I'll lose Mm. weight and then I'll be successful or then I'll be able to accomplish all the things I want to do once I have this goal. And you forget about all that time between then and now that you're missing out on. But then you get that goal and you're still the same you. You still feel the same way. You're still like not happy. You're still like, okay, well now I'll be happy when I get this thing now. And you're always searching for it. And what I've learned is that I think that instead of having that goal we of to lose weight or whatever your goal is, we have to realize why it is that, like dissect it down. Like what is the actual feeling we want with that goal? Or even like you said, money earlier, you know, like I'll be happy when I make all this money. And then you make all this money and you're still not happy or you're still like, oh, now, now I want more money, you know? And it's just, you just yeah. want to keep going. It's never enough. And what you have to realize is that feeling you want. So it might not actually be the money you want when you say, I have this goal to make all this money or I have this goal to lose the weight. What's the feeling you're going for? Not the actual number. There's a feeling you want. And so as we focus more in on that, and you'll find that you're having it and you're not even noticing it. So if you want this money, why do you want this money? You want it to feel secure. 
You want it so you can buy all these things. You want it so you can what? You know, what is your reason for the goal? And then focusing on that instead of the actual dollar amount. You want to feel secure. Well, what else is it that you're missing in your life that you're not feeling secure that you think money will bring you, right? Yeah. So I think that's important as we look at things that we're achieving and trying to want. And, oh, I'll be successful when. I actually opened up a fortune cookie last week and it says, your success is inevitable. That's what the fortune cookie said. And I'm like, well, absolutely. I'm like, I know that. I took a picture of it, posted it. I'm like, yeah, it is. And then I went, wait a second. What if I'm already successful? What does success look like? Mm-hmm. You know, what what am I measuring is success? Is success what? What is that? And for each person, you can ask them, what does success mean to you? And they'll all have different answers. So, yeah, my success is inevitable because I'm already there. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's already happening. I'm already successful in my own mind of what I've decided success looks like. I'm there. You see, talking about focusing on feelings rather than material things or money. Yeah is so profound, right? It makes so much sense. But when you say it, it's like a huge, for a lot of people, that would be a huge paradigm shift. Because growing up, you're always, you know, like, you need to earn enough money to have a house, and to have a car, and to be able to send your kids to college and all that kind of stuff, right? And to have this and have that and do this and do that and go there and go here. Um, And in sales, I remember, and I don't know if you experienced this um, as a realtor, but when you go through sales training and they talk about setting goals, all the goals are orientated around how much money you are going to earn to be able to drive a Porsche, own a house in that neighborhood, and so on and so forth. It Absolutely. Never, ever is there a section in your goal notebook for how do you want to feel? How do you want to live your life? You know, who do you want to be surrounded by? And so on, which in actual fact, when you think about it, right on cue, he does this every time. When you think about it, it's the moments that count. And it's the moments where you feel the moments aren't about, you know, nobody ever cradled an iPad and said, this makes me so happy and I feel so fulfilled, right? right? Right. But you'll cradle That's your so child true. or you'll hold your partner in that moment or your dog who has just arrived. I'm so sorry, <laughs> Heidi, you're going to have to meet him. Um, uh, listeners are rolling their eyes right now. Um, yeah. It's about feeling. Yeah. And even with real estate, I'm glad you brought that up because that was even, I would sit in these meetings of like goals and how many clients are you going to work with and how many sales are you going to have? And I'm just like, what if I like have my goal be how many good reviews I could get, you know, that my clients are happy with their experience. Right. And so if I focus on, I want so many positive reviews this year and focus on my clients and what their needs are and helping them find what's best for them, then they're going to be happy. They'll give me a great review. And so that's the way I can reach my goal. You get more clients, you know, they'll get family and friends. So yeah, my goal isn't to sell 50 houses this year. My goal is to get 50 happy reviews, you know? And so you just kind of change it because that's all I can control, right? I can only control like how my client's experience goes working with me. If they buy a house, fine. If they don't, fine. You know, I want them to be glad they chose me to help them. 
Yeah. And so that's why I kind of try to look at goals that way. It's like, what's my end goal? Like, do I really want money or do I just want that security? Do I just want that, that freedom? Do I want, what do I want that money will bring me? Because you could have thousands in the bank and still want more. So it's not the money. Yeah. I think it's, it's what switching you think it'll it. bring you. It's switching it around so that your intent, like my intent is always to help people in whatever way I can. Now, obviously people come to me because they have clothing or image issues. Um, but if I can, if I can help solve that set, that, that pain point that they have and get them to a happy place, everything that flows from that is a bonus. But my, my, my real intent when someone's in front of me, it's not transactional. It's okay. How can I help this person? And sometimes, and I'm sure you've had it as well in business that sometimes you realize that you're not a good fit for that person. Absolutely. You you can't actually help them in the way that they need. Right. So you need to recommend, make a recommendation to someone else, but because you have that attitude rather than just trying to take them on and take them on a ride that is not going to lead them to the destination they wanted to get to. Yeah. Um, they're still equally as grateful for that. Absolutely. Well, and you don't want to work with someone who sucks your soul, you know, it's just, they aren't a good fit for you and where you're coming away feeling worse, you know, you're like, this just isn't working for me. And there's somebody that's better suited for them too, that they can help each other. So, we have to learn to just be okay with not being able to please everyone and not being able to work with everyone. So yeah. many different personalities. So let them go work with someone else who's a better fit for them. And you can have your happiness back, <laughs> your, yeah. your peace, your joy, you know, in your soul. <laughs> so it's okay. It's okay. You don't yeah. have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad um, you brought that up too. And that is a really cute dog. It looks <laughs> like a cocker, cocker spaniel. He's a, yeah, close. He's a working yeah. cocker spaniel. Um, he's beautiful oh my yeah. goodness look at His that face Those long ears. we have the same hair dude yeah yeah look at that he's a little bit frizzy because he was out in the oh. rain this morning but yeah he's he's great he's been with us for four years now he's nearly seven oh. approximately oh. but he's a rescue so he was long story short he um uh we were just oh. going on a on a kind of vacation and um my wife just spotted him from the car. Uh, he'd been dumped on the road, had a broken leg. So we picked him up, um, you know, just had to go through a lot of hassle to try and get him back to London. Um, but we rehabbed him. He had about three surgeries. So he has a lot of metal in one of his legs, but he's living a happy, normal life now. Wow. Um, yeah, wow. I don't feel sorry for him. This dog knows where he is. Yeah. He knows oh, that he's he arrived. He's so spoiled. Oh, yeah. he is so, I can see it in his face. He's just yeah. like, this is, I'm the king here. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So we've got, so we've got so four cute. of them. We've got the other ones, a Cavachon, and then we have a Bengal and a, a Moggy, a black and white cat, who's also okay. a rescue as well. And um, people come to our home and they will see like, there's a bed in every single room. And they're just like, it's so cute. Your animals will have their own beds. And it's like, no, they're all his. <laughs> He's the king. You can tell. Yeah. He isn't <laughs> actually. So he's he's at the bottom of the pecking order as far as this this lot of concerns. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, he he will always just pop up. I think because he, uh, one of my guests a few episodes ago, Raymond Riopul, was talking about how animals they they they're all about feelings. They're not about material things apart from right. food. Um, <laughs> well, food's a necessity. It's not a material thing. Um, but they're all about feelings. They feed off our energy. 
And he does that. And it's like every single time I'm recording a podcast, especially on the episodes where I'm having such a great time with my guest, he always pops up because he wants to be. He wants to be a part of it. He's like, I want to be in on this mood. Yeah, I love that. That's so cute. He just feels it. That's Heidi. She's amazing. That's awesome. Oh, what a good puppy. (laughs) Would you come back? I'm happy to. Yeah, of course. Anytime. I have like a lot to talk about. No, it's great. I can talk all day. Yeah, no, I, I'm just conscious of time for you, but um, but thank hey, you I so much. Hey, I booked two hours, remember? <laughs> so yeah, this is true. Um, but yeah, honestly, you, you're incredible, really. And thank you so much for everything that you are doing with the Lemonade Stands to help people, really. Um, you. you're, you're a weekly source of inspiration, daily, actually, because I have the 21 happiness habits up on my wall. Um and I, I just thank you for that. Um, Heidi, where can people find you online? I'm just, my website's Heidi's Lemonade Stand and my Facebook is Heidi's Lemonade Stand. Pretty easy. And then Instagram is just Lemonade Stand official. So yeah, that would be awesome to connect with people. I'm always willing to hear people's stories and talk to them. And I love to connect. I love to hear people's thoughts. And thank you. I just love your light and what you're doing too. And I love your positivity and how you're trying to put such goodness out there. So thank you for the service that you are doing as well. I appreciate you a lot. Thank oh, you. Thank you. I don't feel like I'm worthy in your presence, but I really, really appreciate that. Not thank at you all. so, no, so much. No, we're all putting our pants on the same way. Remember, that's what we do. Is, <laughs> so well, we yeah, just... <laughs> some, of my, some of my clients uh, it still need to be taught how to put their pants on the right way around. <laughs> Um, but that's a story. For, okay, there's different ways to put our time. pants on, but we all have to get dressed. How about that yeah, example? We exactly. all have to get dressed. We're well, all just people trying to navigate this. <laughs> See, we, you're going to shoot me down each one again. Again, yeah. There's some clients who, particularly during the pandemic, would very proudly on a Zoom call. I'd be like, oh, you actually are dressing kind of smart for your Zoom calls. That's really, really good to see. I'm so proud of you. And then they would stand up. Stand up. <laughs> And honestly, Heidi, like, some no. of the things I've seen, I will not share with you because um, oh, no. I do not want to corrupt oh, so your awesome. purity, your pure soul. Uh, but yes, we are. You're right. We're all that's human so beings. Awesome. We all go through the same We're kind of stuff. Just, we do. We go through stuff and it's all fine. We need to actually learn to enjoy the ride sometimes, right? Absolutely. It reminds yes. me of a quote. Have you ever seen Along Came Polly with Ben Stiller and Jennifer Aniston? Yes, that was a long time ago. Oh, it was a long time yes. ago. Yeah. But um, it's where he's a loss adjuster, like an insurance loss adjuster. And right. she's just a complete kind of like wafting away through the world, you know, nothing ties her down kind of, right. you know, Spirit, free spirit free, free yeah. spirit yeah. Uh, and she has the little pet uh, mongoose or whatever rodolfo who's blind yeah. keeps bumping into things and uh reuben pfeffer ben stiller's character his father is mute through the whole movie and uh philip seymour hoffman i mean talking about suicide there's a tragic loss uh philip seymour hoffman is is his best friend who was like a a child actor and was very famous in one show and then that was it his career was kind of over and he pays this camera crew to follow him around and keeps telling people it's for his own e-true hollywood story and uh there comes a moment towards the end of the movie in the third act where suddenly 
Ben Stiller's father speaks for the first time and tells Philip Seymour Hoffman's character off and says, kid, you know, you were famous once and then it went and you spend so much time looking backward or looking forward, but you never just stop to just enjoy the ride. Just enjoy the ride. Right. Right. Yeah. We have a saying in our marriage, a lot can happen in a month. And then we changed it to a lot can happen in a day because we met and got engaged within about a month. So we were very, very quick. And so that was always kind of a joke, you know, well, a lot can happen in a month. You have no idea what's coming. You don't. It, and and I don't like to label stuff as good and bad, you know, because you can usually look back on the good stuff and think that there were some problems with it. You can look back on the bad stuff and see that there were some good things with it. So it just is what it is. Just embrace it learn from it, go forward with it, try to put on a smile, you know, and try to pivot in a little different thinking, whatever you need to do, you know, if it's forgiving someone or having more gratitude or just watching your thoughts, you know, different things like that, that you can do to elevate your way of travel, your happiness, then it makes it for a lot better day and a lot nicer to be around <laughs> with other yeah. people too. So a lot can happen. So don't throw away the whole day just for a bad moment. Yeah, it's a good life. No, thank you. I think I'm going to not say anything else now because I don't want to ruin that note. Um, so Heidi, thank you thank so you. much for joining me. I will have all of your links in the show notes um, and we'll make sure that they go out on the Instagram feed and everywhere else as well. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Have you had a good time? You have been a real treat. You have been a real treat. I've had a <laughs> wonderful time. It's been wonderful to get to know you. And I just I just feel so much from you. And I appreciate you sharing and being vulnerable too. Like you were sharing about your childhood and the struggles you had. And as you talk to people and find people, we all have these backgrounds and these stories and our passions and where we are now because of what we went through. So thank you for being real and upfront and honest about what you're going through too. I appreciate that. It's awesome. Yeah, no, you're so welcome. Um, thank you. I'll once have to again. interview you now. Yeah. Oh, no, for any time. Let me know when I'll, yeah. I'll totally be there. Yeah. yeah. I need to, to hear your, uh, I need to hear your lemon to lemonade story. It sounds like from where you've been to where you are now is quite the, quite the process. And so thank you for sharing it, but I need to hear it again. So yeah. that'd be awesome. No, okay. totally welcome. Okay. Thank you. And we'll definitely have, I'm going to have to get you back on the show again. So <laughs> well, thank I'll you. hold you to that. Um, I would love and to. <laughs> thank you all for joining Heidi and I on this episode. Um, as I said at the top of the show, please remember to subscribe and review. You can also click the share button in your player to send the show on to people you know too, especially if um, there's anyone you know that's been struggling lately. Um, please do share this episode. They really do need to um, connect with Heidi and um, and also go check out the Lemonade Stand podcast as well um, and send that on to anybody you know who's maybe having a tough time at the moment. We're now on Instagram, so if you haven't already, find the Tailoring Talk podcast and give us a follow for all the latest news on episodes and behind-the-scenes stories, mainly featuring my cats and dogs. Um, the Tailoring Talk Bondathon is rumbling long from Russia with love will hit your podcast listening device next week and I'm seeing Goldfinger for the very first time in my life this weekend so I'm really excited Heidi's looks completely shocked but yeah there's a story to that um, nothing pre-Brosnan basically Heidi 
that's when I、um, started watching was with Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> yeah, me too. But I'd never really seen, you know, I'd seen the other snippets as a kid, but had no appreciation for them.、Um, so that's really exciting. Make sure you do not miss a thing by hitting that subscribe button, and I will see you on the next one.